Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool Zone Media. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, which is a show that I didn't just introduce badly and then make Ian, our audio engineer, cut out the entire last two minutes of. I have a guest. It's Jamie. Jamie Loftus. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Margaret. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I liked your first intro, but but I kind of like that now it's just sort of just between us. <laughs> yeah, it's the secret one. Yeah. It's just us and Sophie, who's the producer. Hi, Sophie. Hi. And ask how you were doing, but yeah, I fell. Uh, on my, I, as as noted, I fell on my face right before we started to record because I was yeah. trying not to be late because I'm a hero. Yeah, but my That's own, a- but my own villain. <laughs> I decided long ago that I would never um, become injured for a podcast. It only has to happen once. It really for wasn't for the podcast. It, it was cannot happen. It was for you two lovely ladies who. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So I bleed for you. You're welcome. <laughs> Did you bleed? Totally. <laughs> oh, you you look so you you don't look like someone who just was bleeding, and I mean that as the highest. There compliment. are there are um like uh, on Zoom they do have features that make you look better looking than you actually are. That's wild. What if you were absolutely gushing blood from your head, and we just couldn't tell? You'll never know. Yeah, there's like. A threshold where it brings up a little bar. It's like, warning, please call emergency services. And until I, then. I went bird watching the other day. Brag. Brag. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was uh, kind of taking in nature, appreciating the world for once. But I, I was with my friend who's a big bird watcher, and he had this bird watching app that basically runs audio. Yeah. Wow. It's really cool. And then you could like hear the birds around you. The exchange there, though, is that you that it sends the audio to the Audubon Society, including whatever conversation you're having with your friend <laughs> while you're on a walk. 
And so my friend Dewey is like, I know, like, I want to catch up, but, but like, don't talk shit because this is going to the Audubon Society. I was like, this is the most bizarre surveillance technology. And then I went horror movie brain and I was like, what if you killed me right now and the only evidence the Audubon Society had, and they didn't even know because they were like, oh, look, a, a, yet another Canadian goose, you know, not a lot of, not a lot so of So this would explain why you listeners can't see this, but, but um, Jamie is actually translucent. I can see the wall yeah. behind her uh-huh. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to be Ill. festive, but yeah. also. <laughs> well, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to tell. Oh, first, I have to finish the rest of the introduction, you do. which is our audio engineer is Ian. Hi, Ian. Okay. Hi, Ian. What's up, Ian? Our theme music was written for us by Unwoman. And you all will be shocked to know that this week, of all weeks, we're going to talk about a really obscure hipster holiday that no one's talking about. Yes! Called Halloween. You ever heard of Halloween? Oh boy, have I. I was really hoping this would be this would be what we're talking about. Yes, I've heard of it. But I'm Excellent. sure there's things I don't know. I think there'll be things that you don't know. And then... Ironically, there'll be things that we think we know that actually we don't know, but I can't say are actually wrong, but I can say are less certain than everyone says. Because if there's one thing I have learned, it's that everyone who confidently says they know the history of Halloween is lying. I love that. I, I And I'm sure that I've done that at some point. It's so fun to find seemingly innocuous topics that everyone needs to feel like they have a grip on, but they can't tell you why they need to feel as if they have a grip on it. Um, Well, what, uh, when did you learn the truth contrasted with what did you think that were you far off from what the truth is now that you know? Okay. So I came into it being like, all right, I'm going to do a Halloween episode and I'm going to talk about, um, Halloween, I'm going to talk about Samhain, right? The mm-hmm. the Celtic holiday that um, by most popular imagination and with some truth is the like precursor of Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like not as much and it's complicated because everything that has to do with like, like most of the shit that I research, the problem is that there's like not enough, co- like there's not enough information about it. Okay. The, the problem with fucking Halloween is that there's too much information about it and it's all stated confidently by experts and it all disagrees with itself. And God. we're just going to get into it. We're going to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm kind of curious here. Yeah. Where are you coming at with it? The closest I got, I mean, I think I have the general like mm-hmm. under, I, I understood it more to be, I, I knew that it had Celtic roots uh like i've obviously heard of but i i that was not something i got into i had an uncle have an uncle mm-hmm. he's still with us uh at, who is a witch mm-hmm. um that's how he chooses to identify because he found the term warlock to be humiliating and gendered and so he identifies as a witch he lives in the carolinas and my he's understanding fucking from him was cool. just Oh yeah, oh yeah, because he's been on a podcast of mine, Uncle Dennis. Uncle Dennis. Oh is, shit, Uncle, Uncle Dennis. Dennis I've heard. Yeah, cool. <laughs> he's uh, there. If you're gonna talk, so he's like a medium, and yeah. if you're gonna, you know, commune with your dead, you better do it with my uncle Dennis, who 
has the thickest New England accent on the face of the planet. Um, where he's like, you're an asshole in life, you're an asshole in death, whatever. But his his whole thing was like, this is, uh, you know, this is a holiday that is important in the pagan, it, like to me as a pagan, and it was taken from us and turned into corporate bullshit. And that was mm-hmm. sort of the narrative that I was raised in, that I, I'm sure is... Uh, it was. It seemed to be an emotionally driven thing for him, but I appreciated his punk rock spirit uh, yeah. in, in being angry at. I forget. Like there was a specific, you know, corporate entity that he felt had really take. You know, spirit has really taken things from us. But I mean, I lo- I unfortunately, like, I, I I'll take Halloween in any of its forms, including the corny corporate yeah. sense. I struggle. I struggle with my anti capitalist uh, views this time of year i actually think that pretty much all of them have a legitimate claim to halloween mm. like i think well we'll get into it and i will also say the one thing that will definitely come out of this is that your uh, uncle dennis is absolutely historically accurate to call himself a witch yay okay i'm sure he um, knows that and i just like he, uh, i i just didn't i didn't until like uh, when i wrote this script Shout out to my witch uncle. Yeah. You ever heard of a holiday? Well, okay. So we're going to talk about Samhain. (laughs) Okay. And we're going to talk about Halloween. And we're going to talk about Lemuria. And we're going to talk about All Hallows Tide. We're going to talk about witch hunts. We're going to talk about folklore. We're going to talk about why evangelicals hate Halloween and are actually wrong in the way that they hate Halloween. Like, fuck them. They shouldn't get to have nice things. But like... Sure. I mean, but I, I feel bad for evangelical kids that like, you're like, this child deeply wants to be bluey. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> and yet I'm excited. Yeah, because it is it is an amalgam of, of like five different yeah. holidays and concepts. Okay, cool. Yeah. And of course, we're going to tie it into the enclosure of the commons. Don't worry. I know you were worried about whether or not I would tie this really into the concerned. enclosure of the commons. I was losing it. Yeah. But anything that happens... In medieval England, I can tie into that easy. <laughs> so normally I go back like 2,000 years to start off and I go like as far back to context. But this time I'm actually going to start with a really quick overview of like where we are now because I only grew up with Halloween, right? I didn't grow up celebrating All Saints Day or All Souls Day. But it's a three-day holiday in, in Christianity, especially Catholicism, called mm-hmm. All Hallowtide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever heard of All Hallowtide? No, no, I, I had neither. Yeah, I was like, and we both grew up. I know Christian. That's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I've heard of its component pieces, mm-hmm. which is that October thirty first, we have All Hallows Eve, Halloween, mm-hmm. November first, that's All Saints Day, November second yeah. is All Souls Day, mm-hmm. and it's the Christian holiday for rem- remembering and honoring the dead, especially family and ancestors. Mm-hmm. But the, the right-wing evangelicals absolutely fucking hate it for being pagan and strange. And only 49% of U.S. evangelical Christians celebrate Halloween, like, quote-unquote, fully. The rest either don't celebrate it at all, or they cel- they refuse to celebrate the pagan elements. What, what is... When they say fully, do they mean, like, they're not, you know, like, 
micro dosing like that to me is a full <laughs> Halloween like yeah, you, totally. can, you can do the diet version of it but you know where's the fun in that yeah they're not watching Saw and they're not like um, <laughs> wait they're not watching every Saw movie back to back no pee breaks allowed is that <laughs> them not doing it all the way <laughs> I watch horror movies at this time of year but I don't watch like gore porn ones mm. um, and so it's like very hard I keep trying to find the ones that are like like, and people then, if they want to show me horror movies, they're like, oh, well, someone gets their face peeled off in this one. And I'm like, look, one face peeled off is okay for me. Mm-hmm. It's a movie, if it's called like Face Peeler 7, it's like not for <laughs> me, right? I I used to, I it, it's only been in the past five years that I've really gotten into it. Particularly, I mean, I really love the Saw movies. I think mm-hmm. once I once I really locked into the Jigsaw lore i tried to make <laughs> i was writing for a cartoon this year and i wrote a character called well i didn't name the character but it's called jugsaw which is like big titty jigsaw <laughs> and uh-huh. i was thinking jughead is now saw oh, but. Was, no 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 uh, f- uh far, like, that yeah. you were thinking too hard yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh what if jigsaw had big old jugs was sort mm-hmm. of as far as i thought I do, I do like those movies, but I, oh, but I also think that you know the the holiday. I'm wondering the holidays like inherent conflation with extreme violence. If that actually comes from anywhere outside of its association with the concept of death, I couldn't quite tell you the answer to that. But I can. But there mm. will be a lot of really horrible shit happening. Um, oh, good. From the state. <laughs> okay. The true horror of all history. Mm-hmm. Okay, at some point, but not right now, I really want to get into like talking more about the the feminist implications of like gore porn movies and why so many women are obsessed with them and like obsessed with movies that focus around misogynist violence and stuff like that and how it can actually be a vehicle for like really interesting things and like like but that's another time, I guess. But I, I, I mean, we could just talk about that on the phone. Yeah, because okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, because it's a whole like I yeah it, it, I feel like I've know I know so many people who have had a, a a bizarre journey with that in the last like decade, myself included, where I used like t- this time ten years ago. There's no way. Yeah, uh, I would, but then yeah, I, I don't know what it is about like aging where you're like, no, I I do want to see what what Jigsaw is going to do to this woman's leg. Why? Why? And why is that? My politics have not changed. They've grown more intense, if anything. But I am right. open to seeing what Jigsaw is going to do with the leg. Right. Okay. Uh, there's so much to it, but I, but I, but yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So one of the reasons it's really funny that the pig, the sorry, the evangelicals refuse to celebrate the pagan elements. There's a chance that none of it is pagan. There's a chance that it's like all Christian. Okay. Oh, God. What a bummer. Oops, all Christian. Uh. <laughs> I would argue that if you're part of a theological tradition that worships a dead guy, you're pagan and strange anyway. It's fine. Just, True. But, like, the weird delineation between, like, well, I only believe in, like, one strange supernatural creature who's kind of three. Yeah, the rest there are, of you are subcategories pagans. to this ununderstandable being. Yeah. So, okay, that's the current holiday uh, that that evangelicals refuse to. And some of it probably does come from paganism, but it's like, it's just just all messy. Okay. All right. 
Now we go thousands of years in the past. Uh, instead of immediately tracing it to Samhain, the Celtic holiday that sh- looks like it should be pronounced Samhain, if people are wondering what word I'm saying, we're instead going to... It gets a, it gets the modern date from Samhain and some other stuff, and we'll talk about that. Okay. But I'm going to draw on a different lineage first, because Samhain isn't the first place that the Christian holiday drew from. It came from a holiday called Lemuria. You ever heard of Lemuria, the holiday? No, it sounds, if you if you asked me what is Lemuria, I would say, I don't know, it sounds like a skin disease. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> I, no, I don't know what it is. The most famous Lemuria uh, isn't what I'm going to talk about today. The most famous Lemuria, and I'm ranking this by the one that gets a Wikipedia page. Okay. Without, uh, one of them is Lemuria, and then one of them's Lemuria Holiday or whatever, you know? Okay. The most famous one is a fictional continent. It's kind of an Atlantis of the Indian Ocean. Ooh. That was all the rage in 19th century occultism. And 19th century occultism, just a bottomless pit yeah. of weirdo shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not surprised to hear Lemuria. This is also the same time where people are like, the Akashic Records, the infinite library that's vaguely fascistic. And you're just like, sure, sure yeah. guys. It Exactly. And this thing still, the, the continent still has weird cultural influences today. Um, incorrect people claim this continent is where humans come from, that the first humans were called Lemurians. Mm-hmm. The continent, it's going to all tie together. The continent gets its name from lemurs, which are the cute little animals that look like squirrel monkeys. Timon? No. That's, no, wait, wait that's a meerkat. No, Timon's a meerkat. Oh, What's okay. A lemur? Sorry, Lemur, I only understand things. They're they're in Madagascar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you. What <gasps> oh, they're the little. They're like the FBI of Madagascar. Okay, <laughs> I understand. Wait, how are they the FBI? Of okay, Madagascar? I think they're. I was going to pretend like, like I just got it, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I'm like I, that's maybe a dishonest. They're like they're well. If you view the FBI as criminals. The mm-hmm. the lemurs they're always you know pulling little operations. Oh, and, okay. And and they're yeah, generally yeah. considered to be you know negative operations. So that's why I, I think of them as the FBI. Okay. See, this actually does tie into where they get their names. Mm. But okay, so lemurs. People were like, "Why are there lemur fossils in Madagascar and also the Indian subcontinent?" And they're not technically lemur fossils, but they're like close, right? Okay. And not in the land in between the two. And so the answer, the actual answer is continental drift. Um, probably. Mm-hmm. I lost a good chunk of my life skimming scholarly articles about this before realizing this is like a tangent of a tangent of a tangent of my point. <laughs> uh-huh. But the important thing is um, it, it's not there because of a mysterious continent that has disappeared. Okay. The lemurs, they get their name from the Latin lemores, which is ghosts. It is the Latin for ghosts. Whoa. Okay. Lemurs, like the FBI, move at night um, mm-hmm. and are spooky. And are uh, scary. Yeah, they're scary to us personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> much like lemurs have fucked with my friends. <laughs> and so, Lemures, the the Latin one, right? The mm-hmm. Roman one. If you have them in your house, if you have ghosts in your house, mm-hmm. well, what are you going to do about it? Call a lemur. Basically, yeah. You have to wait till early May for the feast days of Lemuria, which was May mm-hmm. 9th, 11th, and 13th. I don't know if it had to like only be odd days or if they were like, we need a break between 
our feasts or what. Okay. Um, yeah, you sort of need a day to let it course through. Yeah. I like that they were, I, I liked, uh, maybe it was just poo days. They're like, all right, we're on one day and then we got to really just poo the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and then, all right. Yeah, that's pretty much almost certainly what happened. Um, mm-hmm. There's only one guy who ever wrote about Lemuria. Uh, his name was Ovid and he wrote about it a long ass time ago. So he actually knew a bit about what he was talking about. So we have one account mm-hmm. of Lemuria. Okay. Uh, are we talking like um, the ancient poet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So possibly apoc- even more apocryphalish, there was a holiday called Remuria, which was the celebration of Remus, the brother of Romulus, who. Yeah. Like the, the way that Rome started. Titty sucker guys. Yeah. Yeah. Since Rome's founding myth is two brothers got into a pointless fucking argument and one killed the other and now here we are. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense for Rome and basically all of European civilization that's descended from it. <laughs> yeah. So there might have been a celebration called Remuria, which was like, after they're like, hey, like, remember me, bro. You know, don't let people forget me. Like the ghost came back and was like, there must be a holiday for me. Ugh. I mean... We're- that kind of endears me to him, honestly, because you're like, I guess if you could, you would want to, right? Yeah. yeah. I spent about three hours trying to figure out if there's symbolism between Romulus versus Remus in terms of like <laughs> something that I could like tie it into some other shit. Uh, they, they both were probably just dicks who fucking killed each other. Yeah. Just brother things. You're like, this happens in litters of kittens all the time. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, is it like a Cain and Abel thing? And then I found out that there's just a fuck ton of stories from the ye olde times that like... It's so wild. Like, oh, sorry, finish your thought. Oh, just there's so many fratricide stories in like every part of everything that we have written down from a long ass time ago. There's just like so much of history that you're like, that you, it just boils down to like two, then there were these two guys and you're like, well, I... I hate that 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 has impact on my life right now. That yeah. there once there was two guys. <laughs> totally. Seriously, yeah. I I learned it. I saw this gigantic painting last weekend of the crucifixion. Uh huh. Longs. It was uh, when, while I was bird watching. I yeah. came across this large painting just in the middle there, of the field. Yeah, you know, it may have been a vision. Uh, mm, <laughs> may have had sense, a Christ-like yeah. vision, huh? uh, but. It was, I, I was at this, um, at Forest Lawn Cemetery bird watching, and they have this huge crucifixion painting for whatever reason. And I learned about uh, the two guys that Jesus got crucified with. Yeah, they're thieves, right? Two guys, just two guys. I didn't know about these two oh, guys. I didn't pay yeah. attention in Sunday school. Yeah. But there are two guys, yeah, the good thief and the unrepentant thief. And their names <laughs> rhyme, which is hilarious. Dismas and Gestus. And you're like, and, and there's just a whole exhibit on these two other guys. Anyways, I, I oppose once there was two, two guy guys history. culture. But yeah. it's a lot of history that people care about anyways. Well, you know what else people care about? <laughs> uh, they care about <laughs> buying objects instead of finding them true. in a field. Although That is true. If you work hard enough at it, I'm sure you could find any of the things that are about to be advertised to you um, in mm-hmm. the loosest 
version of the word find. Mm-hmm. Go steal a car. Here's ads. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. We're back. So, there's Remula, or the the holiday that may or may not have existed. Mm Mm-hmm. But, or Remuria, I'm sorry, Remuria. But we do know that there's Lemuria, which, if they're like two holidays instead of two guys. And they're three days since May, set aside for driving out angry spirits. And of mm-hmm. course, logically, the way that you get rid of angry spirits is chanting, obviously, yeah. and, and black beans, clearly. Oh, this is, this is uh, I'm not familiar with this second approach. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, let me tell you how to do it. Okay. So the restless spirits, Lemuras, they also have an evil cousin, basically, the larvae, which are um, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of 
uncertainty about exactly what this is, but they're like the like actually just kind of like fucked up evil spirits that aren't necessarily like dead people. Okay. But the Lemuras, anyone who died in a way that left them having like a hard time getting into the afterlife, like sudden death or young death or no funeral rites, they were a lemur uh, or a Lemura. Oh. So wait, if you like have some sort of unfinished business or something, is uh, you you are a you are a lemur? Uh, yeah, or a like lemur. you reincarnate as that. You you yes as the as animal that? definitely the okay that's definitely what I'm saying. I gotcha. definitely took three years of Latin and don't know how to pronounce any of it. So <sighs> as I did I. Yes, in, in this case, salvete, salvete omnes. <laughs> Uh, Agricola S. Et discipuli. Pueret puella. Pueret puellae. Sumus S. Sumus S. Sunt. Aramarasarat. Aramasaratasarunt. I always like, I think we just sort of like got off on being like, haha, fatuus puer, which for anyone that learned a useful language just means stupid boy. And I would find myself saying that often. Did. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our Latin teacher just let us cheat. So I didn't learn any Latin. And then he got fired for sexually harassing students. Oh, what? That was my art teacher. My, oh, yeah. my, my Latin teacher was, uh, was above board. Did you read those books that were like about the family that got stuck in the ditch for like an entire textbook? I, I didn't really go to class by the end of it. <laughs> I forgot you're cool. Okay, I was obsessed with my homework, and so I was really invested in the uh, the Cornelii and their various travails. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, sorry. Okay. Continue. No, it's so you're okay. Reincarnated as a lemur. Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely what I mean. Business. It's not that you're a ghost with the same or similar word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh huh. I'm with you. Okay. So. You can help out the lemurs as well as help navigate the larvae, the the non-ghost evil spirits, in a really mm-hmm. creepily parallel way to some Samhain shit later, which makes the lineage of everything like super murky. Okay. The way that you help out your dead pals is you wash your hands in spring water, then you make a fist where your thumb is under your fingers, like okay. the way you shouldn't cool. make a fist, you know? Um, yeah, the scary way. Yeah. And then okay, you... So we're doing that. Yeah, we, you, you fill your mouth with black beans... And then you spit them out behind you as you walk through your house barefoot at midnight. And the reason you're barefoot, obviously, is that knots can't be anywhere near the ceremony um, because they prevent uh-huh. the natural flow of energy. And so sandals have knots, so no sandals. Barefoot. Okay. Makes sense. As for the fist thing, it's called monofico or fig hand. And <laughs> the connotation of the word fig means an actual translation of this would be pussy hand. Um, because oh. your finger is fucking the rest of your fingers. That is the connotation. Is that necessary? I have no <laughs> idea what it's to do with ghosts. It just feels like not relevant. <laughs> nope. The black beans. But you have to have pussy hand to confront the ghost or to enter. What is when you're doing this? What are you? What are you accomplishing? Is my question. Well, when you spit out the black beans. Uh-huh. This attracts the lemurs, and they're behind you, right? You can't see them while this is happening. Uh-huh. And you chant, I send thee, with these beans I redeem me and mine. And you chant that nine times, uh-huh. while everyone else in the house clangs bronze pots and says, ghosts of my fathers and ancestors be gone. Mm-hmm. Then you wash your hands in spring water uh, three times. Mm-hmm. And 
And then you can look to see if it worked. And you know how they know it worked? What? How? When you look at the end of the ritual, you can turn around and look, and there's no Lemuras behind you. Oh, so it does. I would guess that the success rate is extremely high. Yeah, I'm willing to yeah. bet no one saw Lemuras no when they turned around behind them after all doing all this work. Well, that's great. That's great. I like that that this is also like it's necessary to have the support of everyone who lives with you uh, in order to accomplish this. Everyone oh, yeah. has to be a believer. That's, Team effort. Is there any, genuinely, is there any point in this ceremony where someone would see the theoretical Lemura where, where they stand or is it conveniently like? I don't know. Interesting. You know, I mean, obviously it's like ghosts and things are things that a lot of people have seen in this world you know i mean i don't um, I, I i don't even disbelieve it but i i just um interesting interesting yeah. i as a as a lover you know black beans that's an integral part of my chipotle order and i didn't realize that there was a kind of a cosmic use of that food yeah yeah i wonder what happened if you use white beans like right opposite um, does it does it do something else or uh probably. you know we should try it. It means they stay. <laughs> they yeah, stay. totally. Yeah. Or if you put ones that are like slightly hallucinogenic in your mouth, then you do see the Lemuras. Immediately after the Lemuria holiday were the Argi, which were more Roman pagan holidays. And these involved mock human sacrifices where like straw dummies were tossed into the river, which is possibly like the, the main suggestion people have around this is that basically like every culture eventually was like, what if we stop sacrificing people? And they're like, well, how would we do that? And you're like, well, what if we fake sacrifice people? And mm-hmm. so you have this like transitional period where they fake sacrifice people. Okay. And which is kind of, you know, they like want to symbolically kill some dudes, which is a lot like majority voting. It's a symbolic war where you see which side with win would win without Ooh. actually stabbing each other to death. It's very true. This whole sequence of events meant May was an, the unluckiest month to get married. So keep that in mind. Anyone who wants to adhere to Roman pagan social norms. Right. Which you should. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, very few people get married in May. It would be very yeah. unlucky. No, I've, I've certainly never been to a wedding in May, much yeah. less officiated one. I've never been married in May. I've never. I could have yeah. invented that sentence a little bit earlier, but. I, I only became amenable to getting married recently when I found a novelty Halloween band played weddings. And oh. now I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should think about it. I once hitchhiked across the country with some uh, cross punk I met at a rainbow gathering when we were 20 and we decided we were going to get married in Vegas on the way. Um, <sighs> but then we couldn't hitchhike very well together because we were both scary looking and she had a very large dog. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get married. Well, them's the yeah. breaks. I feel like we both just said sentences that are very true to who we are at our core (laughs) and i silently laughed in the background (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's lemuria okay and then there's samhain yes samhain is the celtic holiday that shares all saints day november 1st and -hmm. it starts the night before october 31st Mm -hmm. what exactly samhain is is argued about constantly there is some stuff we do know for example, we know that almost everything written about it was written by medieval Christians. Famously trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, God, it's like when I was like learning about Germanic paganism, like the Norse gods and stuff, and when I realized it was like all written by a Christian monk, I was like, is any of this any good? Does this work? Can it get 
And then it turns out everything's just complicated and whatever. Yeah. The main argument um, that people have is about how much it was a time of magic and death versus just a big social gathering. Okay. I lean towards it actually was both based on everything that I've been reading. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it absolutely was a big social gathering that was probably also a time of magic and death. Okay. Celts. Uh, You could say that they are the hidden people, Kel being the Indo-European prefix for hidden. Mm -hmm. They're a very diverse collection of peoples, a ton of different tribes that spread out across Europe and the British Isles. They use an oral history by and large, so we don't have much about them besides what was written by their enemies, Mm -hmm. who talk about human sacrifice and how their primitive people live in bogs or whatever the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. But certain histories and traditions only linger in the margins, so most of what's left of the traditions and languages of the Celts are found in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and a few other places. Right. Samhain is one of the big four Celtic pagan holidays that we know about, and it was on November 1st. I mean, I doubt they had the specific calendar, but let's just go with it, right? Sure. Sometimes it gets called a harvest festival, but apparently that's not really true, because November 1st isn't really a big deal for agriculturalists. Um, Neither is May 1st. It's not the time for planting or reaping, because... Beltane and Samhain, the, in the Celtic tradition, they're important to pastoralists. Okay. It's when you take your herds to different pastures. So instead of having a harvest festival, they have a like, we're taking the cows out of the high hills, out of the highlands. A little cow party. And we're, are, are, are the four main holidays, are these separated generally by season? Are there, or? I can't remember the other two off the top of my head. I think they're the solstices, I but I could be wrong. Makes sense to me. I think one of them is low. Oh man, no! I'm, anyone listening who knows is now mad at me. But so it goes. Don't message me about it on Instagram. How dare you not can, know every single I can thing? Look it up myself. Yeah, mm. that is people get. I, I know you have no that experience. That is the plight this, of the but, podcaster. <laughs> <They're>, yeah. <laughs> people are very frustrated that just because you know one thing doesn't mean you know another thing. I do feel sometimes that I, the feedback, I mean, and, and often I get a lot of great, very helpful feedback. And every once yeah. in a while I get, how dare you not have lived my exact life? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, totally. I, you know, can't, can't speak to it. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, until you kill them and then step into their body. Precisely. Precisely. And there's a lot to be said about how the Gales were seen as barbaric specifically for preferring pastoralism to agriculture. Basically, people mean like, don't you want to like stay in one place and grow things? And they're like, I'm good. I have a cow. I can just (laughs) hang out with the cow. Why would I? It gives me what I need. What the fuck? If you ever want to get mad, you should read what Engels from Marx and Engels, famous comedy duo, uh, (laughs) had to say about the Irish. Oh, God. It wasn't nice stuff. No kidding. Um. Although he sure fetishizes the Irish women. Of course. Anyway. Oh, really? Also a misogynist <laughs> to the people yeah. that he had no respect for? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So, November 1st is Samhain. It's the celebration of the coming of winter. It's the time to take the cows of the high pasture and slaughter them. It's the perfect time for sacrifice. You're like, I mean, you're killing the moo guys anyway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thanks, thanks for laughing at that. I'm pretty proud of that joke. And so... I, I, I was really thrilled... <laughs> It's also when alcohol is most readily available, at least according to one source I read, which probably ties into all the like magic and mischief and shit that comes from Samhain. Uh-huh. 
The thing that we know happened is that on Samhain, various tribes from different places in Ireland would gather uh, and, and they would have huge bonfires and various kings would make various pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Ireland has had no shortage of kings, but fortunately it wasn't very good at centralizing them, so usually it had multiple at any given time. Mm-hmm. There were contests and feasts and sacrifices. There was possibly human sacrifice and then later some like representative of sacrifice stuff. Mm-hmm. There was divination, which we'll talk about in a bit. Oh. And there was a bunch of other ritual stuff. Gotcha. That's what's certain. Then there's the argued stuff. I tend to believe that all the magic and death stuff because the argument is really politicized because Christians want to be like, no, there's no paganism in Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. But then like, on the other hand, there's people who are like, no, everything is super cool and magic-y and buy my books, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just fucking... There's not trustworthy people in the like modern pagan versus Christian arguments. Yeah, there. I mean, everyone's got a vested interest, and I and I feel like on the on the uh, non-Christian end, there it is becoming increasingly muddled because it seems like there is such an opportunity to. I don't want to say this without being like being disrespectful to people's beliefs because I'm not saying that this is something I completely disbelieve in right. at all. But I do think that there's time points in history, very likely one we're living through right now, where people would very much like to believe in magic. Yeah. And uh and and that brings out a bunch of predatory uh types. Totally. And like mm-hmm. and one of the other things is like like I'm gonna do some of the ritual stuff that I'm talk gonna be talking about. I'm I'm planning to do it um Oh, that's amazing. The the day after you all hear this. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know why the fuck not. And to me, the fact that a lot of it comes from syncretic traditions Mm -hmm. is fine. I have no problem with that, you know? Um, And so another thing that might have happened on Samhain, this is actually what I'm going to do on on Samhain this year, uh, is that unsuccessful kings are ritually sacrificed (laughs) Oh, um, you're going to kill a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but only a king. I got to find a monarch. Yeah. Okay, that's slaughter, slaughter a flop. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. It's possible. Like, no one's quite sure, but basically some of the bog bodies, people are starting to be like, we think that's a sacrificed king. Oh, wow. So they might have had their nipples cut off and then stabbed and beheaded and thrown into bogs. I I've been to a bog body bog body bog body a bog huh. body exhibit or two in in my day, and that would be so, that would be huge for the bog body community if that is if true. I know, and it's like it's a little bit of a stretch as a historian who's making this claim, and it's based on a lot of the stuff where like a lot of the bog body people were like um fed better and like like it seems to be that they seem to be like upper class in some way or whatever. You right. Know? I mean. Um, all right. And like more than one of them had like weird stuff around their nipples going on. Interesting. Like all we know is that they ate well and they had weird nipples. Yeah. So yeah, lots of kings might have gotten dead on Samhain, um, which is cool. And I wonder how much of old human sacrifice was just, well, like this guy said he'd be a good leader, but he, he wasn't. So I guess we should just give him to the gods now. Because mm. there's a lot of like that stuff gets into later whatever um but what doesn't come later what comes now uh-huh. is advertisement wow that was so Whoa. good stuff. wow you could you really did get me with that one yeah my my one actual job that i'm good at <laughs> is cynically 
transitioning to ads. Like these. What great prices. Like these great products you're about to find out about. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So we have potentially some dead kings. Yeah, we have potentially some dead kings. It's also probably the Festival of the Dead. That is the like the big oh, argued yeah. thing. That makes sense to me too. To to go under the assumption that it was, which I that is actually what I think. But mm-hmm. the Celts, like a lot of people, believed in a lot of different realms, right? There's most notably there's Earth or the, the realm we're stuck in. Yeah. Then there's the other world with a big capital O. Mm-hmm. It's got a bunch of different names. Uh, most famous is probably Tirnanog, mm-hmm. which is either a name for the whole place or just a part of it. And this is like the land of the fairies, the promised land, the land of everlasting youth. I learned about that from watching Titanic when I was nine. 
Well, they talk about near Nanaga in it. They do. There's a mother with children on the Titanic. <laughs> they're about to, you know, drown on the Titanic. Oh. And she's saying that that's where they're headed. They're headed to the land of Ternanog, the land of eternal youth and beauty. The kids are yeah. crying because they, of course, are about to drown on the Titanic. But that's where I learned about it. That makes sense. And honestly, <laughs> faith is a really good counterpoint to anxiety. <laughs> So like, yeah. I like totally get that. Like I want to believe in Tiernanog while the fucking ship is going down. Like uh, oh, what yeah. are my other options? Being like, no, only this is real and I'm about to not ever have anything ever again. Like fairies that's fine. are real. Breathe to... deep, you know. Yeah. So Tiernanog is one of the mystical is where the mystical precursors of the Irish people live. The fairies are the gods, the Tuat de Danann. And twice a year on Beltane and Samhain, the veil is thin between our world and the other world. Mm-hmm. So Samhain is a liminal festival. It's the end of summer. It's the start of winter. And it's a time when everything is possible and nothing is the same. And that's, I love that shit. And that's still part of fucking Halloween, I think. Um, yeah. It's also when the Formorians, which was another ancient Irish race, the race of evil giants, they demanded a yearly tax of two-thirds of the corn, milk, and children from uh, folks. Top three products. <laughs> yeah. Wow, but they were, okay. They were driven out, and they were driven out um, specifically by the, by the goddess Morgan and the hero Agnes Og, and they drove mm-hmm. the monsters out from Ireland on Samhain. Okay. Which makes sense, because that's when they show up, but you know. Still, wild shit. Yeah. Irish mythology, at least as it was written by a Christian, uh, 11th century Christian guy, is a series of different people replacing one another in the area. There were six groups. The first four had been killed or driven out entirely. The fifth were the pagan gods who disappeared into the other world but are still around. Some folks argue that this is people talking about the Picts. Okay. And then there's the sixth, the modern humans, the Gaels. This book, The History of Ireland from the 11th century, is called The Book of Invasions. Which is what a fucking name for a country's history. Truly, I'm like harsh but fair. I know. Uh, <laughs> they kind of set themselves up with that one. Yeah. You know? Seems kind of antagonistic, but I I I see I see where the reality is. Yeah. And this book was, I think, intentionally written to Christianize people. Um mm. so so many of the European pagan books are from Christian monks, as I've complained mm. about already. Sometimes people say the dead went to the other world, like in that movie, The Titanic, which I definitely didn't just add to the script. I totally had it in there. Absolutely. Like the, and it is called The Titanic. And oh, I I'm think sorry. that that's something that people need to remember about the movie The Titanic, which we love. Yeah. yeah. I actually really did like that movie. I never watched it again, I think, because I was like, I cried so much. It's um, unfortunately one of the best. It's a really good movie. I'm not so good. anti- it's um, it's like it's everything a movie can be. Yeah, I saw it multiple times in theaters. Um, really? Oh, that gives me especially because that happened during a period of culture that you find otherwise distasteful. That's true. I yeah. might have to take all that back. I just really don't like alt ra- alt rock from the late nineties. I'm sorry. Uh, totally fair. Totally. I mean, yeah. you you will not find a dissenting opinion here. But, yeah, every tongue that rises up against Titanic 1997 shall fall. Yeah, that's uh, like the Titanic did. 
<laughs> much like including and not limited to the Titanic. Yeah, their own hubris brought them down, both groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some people say that the dead go to the other world. Other people say that they went to a place that was more of a hell or a purgatory. Mm-hmm. Other people were like, no, first you go to the purgatory, then you go to the other world. Um, that last one, curiously and possibly coincidentally, maps to the Catholic experience of the Right, I was like, that is a, that's a, also a Christian concept. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, some shit is just universal. Some shit is given to cultures by Christians. I, I don't know. Two things happen on Samhain because of the thinning of the veil. First, the spirits of the dead, especially the recently dead, they come out and hang out for the night, which is cool. Second, so do the fairies, especially mischievous, if not downright malevolent ones who like rejoice in human suffering and all that stuff. Uh-huh. It's also the time when babies can be replaced with changelings. So you got to like watch your kids. Okay. Okay. But there, that's, that's eventful. That is a, that is a full sideshow's worth of activities. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a good thing that it's also commonly associated with getting drunk on the night where your baby could be switched out with a changeling. <laughs> it's good to have your senses really, truly dulled as yeah. the, when that when those are the stakes. Yeah. Sharpened up, you know, yeah. a little bit more in touch with uh, your emotions instead of what's happening around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's possible that people would open the burial mounds themselves on Samhain, but because they're portals to the other world, I don't think that that's I've, I've read that, but I don't, it doesn't track with the rest of the mythology because most of the rituals are around how to deal with how scary it is that the veil is thin. It's less like the way that I would say modern, like how I see it, where I'm like, fuck yeah, the veil's thin. Time to talk to dead people. And instead, it's more of a like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> like, veil too thin. <laughs> Yeah. Which, okay. So, so it 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 was intended to be because I feel like that is an interesting thing to hear from from culture to culture of like how mm-hmm. the concept of the thinning of the veil is received because I feel like sometimes it's joyously, other times it seems like intentionally to stoke fear, which it seems like yeah. in this case is that I think so, but it's also kind of both because yeah. they do a lot of like it's really sexy. joyous stuff. Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, and I guess it's just like the same as like people be like in twenty first century United States. People hated Halloween because, like, some people hate Halloween. And then we're over here being like, this fucking rules. I'm sure that free Christian Ireland or syncretic Christian Ireland was the same way. They were like, some people were like, fuck yeah, bring on the fairies. And other people were like, they stole my baby. And you're like, eh, maybe maybe she's happier now. You know, there's always going to be someone that thinks their baby's been switched out with a changeling. And sometimes it just turns out... They don't like their baby. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and are searching for a justification as to why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Portals also open at the base of the of Hawthorne trees. So if you live right. on Hawthorne Street in Portland, you should be careful this week. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the dead coming back is totally chill with people. Um, as long as you were good to people, they'll be good to you back, right? Now, if you're mm-hmm. shitty to people, if you're a dick to someone and then they died... Good fucking luck on that one. Ooh, they, is it like purge rules? Can they get your ass? Okay, that's funny. We're going to talk about some weird purge rule shit in medieval Ooh, okay. England cool, cool, later. Cool. But. Okay. Jamie's the perfect guest for this episode. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Although, yeah, but, but yeah. So, you know, if you're good to the dead, that part's fine. There's a ton mm-hmm. of different rituals around it. The, the ones, 
most of these are like the ones that I'm aware of, I think are a little bit more modern. They're not necessarily from the day of like the tribe gathering um, for a week to feast and discuss laws and are more mm-hmm. from the medieval era onward, but they like also might be continuations or developments of different traditions. Okay. The one I'm going to do on Samhain, if my friends, if I can talk them into it, um, there's a lot of different variations and it's called a dumb supper as in a supper without talking. Oh. And there's a bunch That's, of different ways to do it. Go ahead. I was just about to make a bad joke about how um, there's there's a lot of Christian families that have dumb suppers every night. And <laughs> yeah, it's not remotely celebratory. <laughs> it's just kind of how we eat food. Yeah. <sighs> um, you open all the doors and the windows in your house and you set the table for everyone plus a setting for the dead, like at an empty chair. Mm-hmm. And then you either eat in silence or, in the version I kind of think is more fun, um, you talk as if the dead are in the room. And not like seance You're not like, what happened? I've never been to a seance and you have, but that's how I'm imagining it. Mm, it's a, no. <laughs> honestly, I wish you were further off. Uh, there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of loud talking, a lot of big questions, no no gentle introductions really that I've, I've found. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a one-way conversation where you catch the dead up on everything that they've missed over the year. Where you just include them back in your life as if they just have been away for a while. That's wonderful. Yeah. Like, I I genuinely think that, like, magic or afterlives or religion aside, I think that this seems like a, like, useful way for people to connect with loss and grief and stuff, you know? But I do think that there's, like, an, uh, it's interesting hearing people talk to their dead. Because in the times that I've, I've been at, um rituals or like i mean i've mostly been to them as they relate to spiritualism and like Mm. table turning and stuff like that and uh it is interesting because i feel like the closest thing that i could identify it with outside it's like a combination of the way you'd speak in like like prayer by yourself if that's something you've done yeah and then also like and this, not with all due respect to the dead, how like children talk to their dolls. <laughs> like there is an element of like, I am yeah. having lunch with my American girl doll and I want her to be involved in the conversation. <laughs> and like, it feels like everyone has some sort of base level of, uh, oh, that's so lovely. I really like that. Is that what you're going to, is that your plan? Yeah, that's my plan. Yeah. That's great. And And one of the reasons I think it immediately hit me is that like um, I didn't grow up in a particularly religious family my Irish grandmother talked to the dead like they were in the room like she um, lost one of her sons before she died and she would just like talk to him as if he was there and uh, and I just like thought that was cool you know that's so lovely oh there's that's great there's other versions where you leave food out at night for the dead like you put bread and water and set them out at midnight um, which reminds me of the milk and cookies from Sa- for Santa. And mm. there's a lot of like Halloween, Samhain, Christmas, weird and Yule and shit. They all like blur into each other sometimes, you know? Mm, it's all very, a lot of Q4 shit going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I gotta get everything crammed in end of the year. Mm-hmm. Nice. But evil spirits come into the world too. Fairies and werewolves and shit just fucking pouring into the world for that. Mm. You need protection. For that, you need a bonfire in some traditions called a need fire. And my favorite version of this that I've read is that the whole town puts out their hearth fires and then goes to the bonfire 
and then relights their own fire from from the bonfire, which oh. is meant to not only is it ward off spirits, but also just like brings everyone together and like reminds everyone that their their hearth comes from the same place. You know, like hearth is a very that's important really concept. beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the the and then it, it I feel like it ties in completely with the feeling of continuity. Like that's that's really nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then to protect your um, new mothers could also be stolen away as well as uh, babies. I wonder how much is people just like running away when anyway. Um, ooh, that's ooh. There, there's a there's a runaway movie waiting to happen to be like, oh, it's the perfect crime. Yeah, totally. <laughs> These fools believe in magic. I'm getting yeah. the fuck out of here. And then if I write it like they get halfway down the road and the fairies are like, yeah, you said you're coming with us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, fuck. That is a Margaret Kiljoy original waiting to happen. <laughs> and so the fairy world represents, I mean, sometimes it's just like stolen away for evil, but sometimes it represents like sort of like wildness and like non-civ and stuff and like witches tie into all of this once you get into the syncretic and the Christian side of things. So new mothers could be given a spoonful of oatmeal as soon as the baby was born to protect them from being stolen away. A, uh, a lump of alt- unsalted butter could be put into the newborn's mouth. Or you can rub salt and oatmeal into the crown of a child's head. I'm really amenable to any like ritual that involves a little treat. That sounds very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's time for the little treat ritual. Like You're my like, little I ritual just... nap that I take in the afternoon, you know? There you go. Right? I'm like, yeah, I guess I did just magic. give raw birth. Give me a little give me a little treat. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise I'm gonna fucking run away. I mean get stolen. <laughs> yeah. I may go with the fairies if I don't get my little treat. Yeah. And it's possible that all of the stories, the like the argument for the argument against Samhain being traditionally a time of death and ritual was that a lot of the like fairy stories for on Samhain was just that Samhain was the big gathering of all the kings and shit. So if you wanted to set a story and have like important people there and important stuff happen, mm-hmm. you just, did it on Samhain. And so that's how it became associated with the dead and the supernatural. I don't oh, okay. buy that argument, but that is an argument that people make. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then there's the divination. And most, okay, so there's like one piece of the divination that's like actually spooky, which is around the bonfire, people would put like a, everyone like put like a rock, I mean like that's my rock. And then if it's gone by the next day, then you're not going to survive That's also the year. colonialism. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> they they learn it from the English. That's my rock. <laughs> Actually, yeah. this my rock now. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, so if your rock disappears, then you're gonna die. And this 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 is the like maybe replaced human sacrifice ritual that I read about. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the divination rituals for Samhain, you heard of any mm. of these? No, no. Did you ever play Mash as a kid to like? Figure out who you're going to marry oh, yeah. and where you're going to live and shit. Will I marry Josh Hutcherson? And if so, will we, for some reason, live in an apartment? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it stood for, right? The um, Mansion. It is It is a very, apartment. like, I've thought about this a lot the more I get interested in housing, where it's like mm. a children's game that is named after housing options. Mansion, apartment, shack, house. Oh, shack. I was like, ship? Like, no, um, <laughs> oh, see that's no. You have to have what what is viewed as a a negative outcome, and then yeah. the funny thing is like Josh Hutcherson's career must have really fallen out from under him due to the fact that I married him and we live in a shack, but we drive an Audi. <laughs> <They're>, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so this is 
this is the style of divination of, of Sally. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like who you are going to marry and where you're going to live and what job you're going to have and shit like this. They were playing MASH Basically. on Samhain? On the other hand, every now and then it would be like, am I going to get married this year? Am I going to become a baby? Like, am I going to get this job? Am I going to die this year? That's like thrown in as one of the options. Oh, you, that's not a part of MASH. <laughs> to be fair, this is like medieval Europe where... Oh, right. <laughs> really present chance of you're going to die any given year. Yeah, you're like, I'm getting up there. I just turned 19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> and so most of this stuff, most of the divination seems that we have the records of or that I've seen, it seems to come from the sort of syncretic part of it, but it's still cool. Okay. So one traditional dish for Samhain is coal cannon, which is Irish mashed potatoes, with a lot of greens in it. And you take the first two portions of it and you set them out either by the gate for hungry passerby or you set it at the foot of the nearest fairy thorn, hawthorn or white thorn, on Halloween or and or All Souls Night. Kind of so this is like the Santa Santa potatoes kind of. Yeah. But also a little bit of mutual aid if so if anyone just needs potatoes. Well and the, yeah. And that actually I mean and trick or treating kind of comes from a lot of this kind of stuff too. Oh. And we'll talk about more about that stuff later too. And Wow, you're blowing my fucking mind. Okay, this is great. Okay. Another weird Christmas parallel. Mm. <laughs> the first and last spoonfuls of the Halloween coal cannon can be put into an eligible girl's stocking and then well not while she's wearing it and then you hang it from a nail in the door and her fu- future husband will be the first man to enter the house so you put potatoes in a sock <laughs> yeah <laughs> some real okay okay look they didn't have a lot of money okay this is not a rich culture no. I mean, it's a rich Look, culture. It's not a culture with money. It's a rich culture, not with money necessarily, but but look at that lore. Potato yeah. in a sock. Got it. I look. I'm this is this is my culture. I should know this. Yeah. Okay, this is this is my favorite one. Like actually, um barmbrack is a fruit loaf that's basically you make this fruit loaf and then you hide small tokens in it. Like like a ring. What? And, or a button or oh. a thimble. And if you get the ring, okay. you're going to get married. If you get the button, um, you're either going to be an old... Or the button or thimble, you're going to be an old bachelor or an old maid. Wait, what is this called again? I want to do this. Uh, yeah, no, it's... Week. Actually, I can, I can send you a recipe my friend um, sent me. Uh, Barmbrack. Please. B-A-R-M. There's a bunch of different ways to spell it, like anything from Irish that gets anglicized. But B-A-R-M space B-R-A-C-K. Okay. My friend makes it... so. These days when people make it, they usually either like really well wrap the thing so that it's not a choking hazard mm-hmm. um, or they like minimize the number of choking hazards they put into the food. And then my friend who makes it just puts an uncooked pea in it. I think maybe it was a lentil. I think it was a pea. Um, really? So it isn't oh, like I, choking hazard game, you know? I do. I mean, I, I really do kind of appreciate when someone goes hog wild with the choking hazards in the food i do feel it's mm-hmm. it's part of why i find um heterosexual uh proposals to be so fascinating where it's like what if i oh what if i potentially killed someone <laughs> i theoretically want to spend the rest of my life with by shoving an ugly little ring i've purchased into like an expensive meatloaf and and and, sh- and you have to be thrilled if you almost swallow a ring and you're like oh yes <laughs> And you get to find out if your uh, future spouse knows the Heimlich maneuver. A hundred times, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uh, you can also, if you want to find out who your future um, husband or wife will be, um, oh. and there's different ways of doing this. And, and one of them, the like witchiest way is that like three unmarried women get together or girls get together and do this and then do this like separately from the rest of everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And you make something called a dumb cake, which is just a, a, a very plain piece of bread. And then everyone makes them and then you like sleep with them under your pillow or you sleep with a sprig of yarrow under your pillow and then you'll dream of your, your lover. If you So wait, this one is sleep with bread under your pillow and you can also, potatoes in the sock, bread under the pillow. Yeah. Eternal love is yours. Yeah. And the right. reason I kind of like this, I think that this is a recipe for sleep paralysis. Because if you're sleeping, oh. if you go to bed thinking about what am I going to like, if you go to bed and you think about, I'm going to dream of the following, you're more likely to dream of that, right? And so you're able mm-hmm. to kind of influence your dreams in that way. But also, if you sleep with something under your pillow, you might sleep on your back, which gives you more, more likely sleep paralysis and more intense dreaming in general. And like, mm-hmm. you might sleep kind of lightly as a result of it. So I think people have like, mostly horrifying nightmares, but sometimes they might, yeah. You know. But I think, anyway. So, okay, another way you can find out who you're going to marry is you can peel an apple in a single strip and then throw the peel over your shoulder and see what letter it forms. And that's the first letter of the person who will marry or whatever. I've heard of that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've never done it because that's actually really hard to do. Yeah, no, that seems really hard, yeah. And I would imagine if you did it, you'd be like, oh, the letter O. <laughs> yeah, or like everything looks like a K or whatever the most convoluted letters are, you know? Right. Okay, there's another way you can do this. And this is actually my favorite because it... Okay, you can cut nine stalks of yarrow with a black-handled knife and then stay in silence for the rest of the evening. Once everyone is asleep, you peel the yarrow. I have no idea what yarrow looks like where you peel it. I'm not a (laughs) proper witch. You peel the yarrow and you say, Good night, good yarrow. Thrice good night to thee. Pray tell me who my true love will be. If his clothes I'm to wear, if his children I'm to rear... Blithe and merry may he be, with his face turned to me. If his clothes I'm not to wear, if his children not to rear, sour and groma may he be, with his back turned to me. And groma being an Irish word for like morose. Oh, okay. So you you recite this, and then the first suitable man you see is scrutinized. And I like this one because it's like, oh, if I meet a man and he's like nice and smiles and he like doesn't as soon as I turn away, like, look evil and shitty and mean, you know? Because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, at least there's a filtering process here. I guess so. I guess I would I, I would conversely argue that um, this is a great historical example of, of the bar never being particularly high. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if he doesn't turn into the literal devil when I avert my eyes... He's probably, he'll, he'll be, he can, he's serviceable. We can make it work. I mean, you know, if we put the bar there about, I probably shouldn't say misandrous stuff on this show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, okay. The other way you can do it is you can eat an apple standing in front of a mirror at midnight while combing your hair. I don't know how I eat an apple and co- whatever. I That's use two, two to like hygienically healthy things to be doing at midnight. I don't think, yeah, you it would have yeah. to be intentional. As the clock hits midnight, you can see the face of your future husband over your right shoulder. Oh. Yeah. This sounds like something that's been paid by the, the apple lobby. 
There's a lot of Apple stuff. Apples are pretty um, yeah. sim- symbolically useful for different yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, that was the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I haven't seen the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I regret to inform you, spoiler alert, do you know what the Da Vinci Code is? The word Apple. I remember being Whoa. 12 years old, reading that book when it was like super popular, like reading it yeah. in the bath, wanting to be a wanting to be a part of something bigger than myself. Yeah. Getting to the point like 9,000 pages in where the Da Vinci Code is Apple. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm 12 <laughs> and I'm underwhelmed by this. The Da Vinci Code was Apple. Yeah. Okay, I know that makes sense. You know. Not that anyone's reading it now, but like if you ever were like, I'm going to get around to that, don't bother. The, yeah. the Da Vinci Code was literally Apple. Yeah, that <sighs> makes sense. I guess so. Anyways, Christian parallels. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Samhain, the big gathering of the tribes that was probably, but not necessarily super spooky. Uh-huh. It got all jumbled up in kind of fun ways. Uh-huh. As for All Saints Day, All Hallows Tide, Devil's Night, Witch Hunts, We'll talk about those on Wednesday, which is All Saints Day. Oh. Unless it's All Souls Day. Crap, I don't remember which one. God damn it. I don't have a calendar in front of me. There's no way of knowing. It's just on one of them. Impossible to say. It's Too all late. good. Yes. But what else is, this isn't an ad transition, it's a plug transition. What else is spooky is your It's All Saints Day. Plugs. What? It's All Saints Day. Okay. Oh, I even got it right in the script. I'm so smart. Um, I guess I guess I well, you can find me on uh mainly Instagram at Jamie Cray Superstar. Still technically on on Twitter, I guess. Uh Jamie Loftus Help. But I and uh you can get my book, which is called Raw Dog, and that's about hot dogs. However, for the purposes of what we're talking about today, I think you should listen to my podcast Ghost Church, which is about um the history of spiritualism. And uh, what modern spiritualism looks like in Central Florida. Sophie produced it. Ian edited it. My Uncle Dennis is in it. Uncle Dennis rules. Yeah. Long live Uncle Dennis. He fucking rocks. And yeah, so that that, you should listen to that. Okay. Wait, I already have. You did. The listeners should listen to it. Yeah. Sophie, what do you got? Uh, I think I pl- I think I've plugged this the last couple times, but listen to it could happen here. It's more important than ever. Yeah, absolutely. All right, see everyone on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Cool people who did cool stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.